Welcome to the Combat Learning Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Peacock, fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo and a martial arts skill training specialist. If you're new to the show, please sign up to the Combat Learning Newsletter at combatlearning.com slash newsletter. I'll send you cheat sheets on how to transform your drills into maximum skill building games and get you up to speed on the science of motor skill learning for martial arts. Plus, you'll never miss a show. Go to combatlearning.com slash newsletter to get those resources now. In this episode, Emil continues to explain how he does the constraints-led approach to Muay Thai. We cover a lot of subjects in this episode, including other ways to control for intensity or going too hard, how to introduce leg kicks and leg kick defense through sparring games, what the fundamentals of Muay Thai are as a sport, and how can we understand it at a dynamic and foundational level, how constraints can lead to adaptive or maladaptive fighting strategies, how Emil conceptualizes the use of tie pads and heavy bags now. Of particular note, Emil unpacks how he teaches his learners to coach each other and communicate for each other's safety and learning benefits. This is an amazing dynamic. It's something I want to see. In fact, I want to hear ecological coaches talking about more and doing more. If you're excited to jump in, hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and enjoy the show. So is that that's is that one of the ways you control for intensity? Are there any other ways that you help control for intensity and make sure that contact is not excessive during practice? So a lot of times it's it I've talked a lot this uh, semester about like what we actually know about brain trauma and basically that we don't know anything. So keep that in mind. Be careful with one another. If you hurt your partner, well, you're not going to have a partner. And I think a lot of people don't want to hurt their partners uh they, yeah. they don't come in and look to punch the other one full force in the face basically if you tell them hey punch this guy in the face they're gonna be like what really so they have that kind of ingrained in them that to not hurt one another but also in terms of like where if we're doing the sparring and it's the first uh, round you know people are uh, maybe a little bit uh, have a lot of adrenaline in their body from the warm-up i might throw that in there like hey this is the first three minutes. We have one and a half hour left. Keep the energy levels at a, so that you can perform this whole entire 90 minutes and not just the first round. And then you're gone for the next round. So keep that in mind and, and really kind of help them focus on how to manage their energy and basically expressing themselves in a way that they can sustain. Because yes, you can go balls to the walls for three minutes, but then you're yeah, you're gonna get you're gonna be sitting on the sideline puffing for air for an hour and a half. So right. keep that in mind. Yeah. So switching gears here a little bit. Yeah. Um, you mentioned clinch. I think you said there's only three main positions that you work from. Are there are all your games based around those three positions? Are there other games you use to teach clinch? So we worked a lot of clinch actually this summer as well. But, uh, the, the, those three positions were basically just me trying to find like, oh, what positions can we define as like uh, good positions? Uh, and we did clinching uh, and I've actually changed kind of my definition of clinch. I watched uh, Matt Brown, the UFC fighter, very known for clinching. I watched one of his instructionals and he said he views clinching as the point where we make contact with each other. 
as soon as mm. we have contact with each other, we have begun clinching. And maybe even if I throw a kick and you catch it, we're entering a clinching situation. But if you don't catch uh. it, we're still in a kind of a clinching position, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what we did was basically, hey, this is our definition of clinch when we have contact. So now we're starting from a position where you both have to touch hands. And from mm-hmm. here, we're going to work. And we talked a lot about like inside position was. Why is inside position important? How do we move another body? How do we lock another body in place? And how do we create these spaces where uh, I call it where we're not doing 50-50 positions? Because I don't like those odds. I'm not basing your health on a coin flip. You need to be in a good position to punch another person. <laughs> because usually they want to punch you back. We have to keep yeah. that in mind. <laughs> for some reason, they want to punch us back. Yes, for some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it might be uh, the rules of the game. Who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> or it might be self defense. Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what about kicking and leg defense? This is one of the areas for me that I come from. More of the kickboxing I did was more of like an old school karate type. So we didn't really do we didn't really do um, leg kicks. So this is a new frontier for me. And I'm, I'm wondering how you've used games to teach those concepts. So, uh, as I talked about earlier, my, my kind of thesis that I worked on, uh, an important part of that was identifying free, uh, or not free, but basically identifying the fundamentals. And for me, the fundamentals are not kicks and punches. It's <laughs> everything that basically f- shapes the game. Right. It's like it's like the atoms of the of the Thai boxing, if you want to look yeah. at it that way. So uh, the three things I focused on were vision, actually seeing what your opponent is doing. That's really important, I believe, to because if we close our eyes, like if I close my eyes and I face a complete beginner, I am super scared because I don't know what's happening. I don't know when punches are coming. I can't see anything. And the same thing goes for when we're utilizing our hands. If we cover our eyes, it's super scary because we don't know what's happening. So vision was really important, or you can basically call it perceiving, perceiving your opponent, what yeah. what they are going to do. Uh, the second thing was balance, I thought was really important. How are we standing? How are we moving? Are we moving in a way where we feel balanced? Even if we get hit, can we keep our balance? Or are we crossing our feet? If we get hit here, we're going to fall over or we're going to absorb a lot of force from the punch. So make sure you move in a balanced way. And the third thing was distance, basically the space between us. us. We need to control this space. And this is basically 90% of the game. If Even if you watch at a high level UFC, the good guys, they know how to manage this distance. And the good, very good defensive fighters in particular, they're very good at managing distance. Yeah. So keeping these three things in mind was very important. And, and from there, we could formulate games or tasks for people. So when we worked the uh, leg kick defense, uh, I think it was, yeah, I think it was two weeks ago. I basically told people, keep these three things in mind. And the other person is going to throw kicks. They're going to try to kick your calves. They're going to try to kick your thighs. You need to block this kick with your shin, your shin bone, and basically showing where the shin bone is so that you have a visual understanding of it as well. And a lot of what went wrong was when people either didn't see the kick coming, uh, didn't have a good balance where you could lift their leg, or they didn't control distance and they couldn't react in time. So a lot Mm -hmm. of that, 
the conversation that happened during that uh, period was about that, going around in the room and talking to people. And when we see people get kicked a lot, basically talk to them saying, hey, are you realizing you're going to hit a lot? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you think you're failing? And try helping them identifying the problems of these three things. Are you, are your vision failing? Are you seeing the kicks? And if they were like, no, I don't see the kicks. Well, uh, okay. Uh, talk to the partner. Hey, maybe like shake your hand on the side you're going to kick. So they get that kind of visual clue and, and, and basically make it easy for them, help them mm-hmm. succeed. And then mm-hmm. we can start increasing the difficulty of the, of the game or the task. Uh, but otherwise making people aware of that. And, but I also find it difficult, but I found it difficult even when we're doing like technique, uh, drilling to get people to kind of lift their legs. It's a pretty unusual position, but yeah, it, it it's a basically you have to, you have to work at it too. You have to learn how to deal with it. So I think that that's a, a big thing, but those three principles is, is what I base a lot on the uh, division, balance and distance. Controlling those three things will help you immensely become a better defensive fighter. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that I know that you know adding kicks really changes the landscape of what you can do with punches. Um, do you ever constrain people just to explore punching, or do you always keep something like knees or kicks? around to help with representativeness or do you see value in just working with punches i think uh, it's there is some value to working with punches uh, because you can kind of teach that being uh, sound having a sound guard keeping your hands up or moving your head basically mm. always always keeping the upper body in mind because kicks are generally slower they're going to take a uh, time to set up yeah. Things like that, but punches are fairly quick. We're also, uh, 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 I say we as the people who run the the Muay Thai sessions at Nakadoyo, mm-hmm. we're very MMA inspired. So, uh, and we come a lot of us have a bit of an MMA background. So we value punching a lot, and and we've said this about the way we compete that we only care about what rules are going to get us disqualified. But we're going to go in, we're going to do our own thing, and then let the judges decide who won. <laughs> we're just <laughs> rocking up to do damage. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we, we value punching a lot. Uh, but yeah, we keep that in mind that we can work both things. But I always, I, I had this actually, I think I, I was planning a class and I was like, wait, it's only punches. No, no, no. This is not the entire game. They need to they need to be wary of, mm. of kicks as well. They need to keep this in mind. They can't get comfortable just becoming boxers. They need to get yes. they need to respect. They need to have that fear of God in them <laughs> that it yes. hurts get kicked in the legs. Yeah, <laughs> well, if we if we we if, you know, you were talking about how the constraints naturally they started doing the right thing. Yeah. And if all you do is is do punches, their stance is gonna get maladapted yeah. to dealing with kicks. Yeah. Because they're gonna be like, Oh, I need to limit my target area. Yeah. I don't exactly. have to worry about kicks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um and and then all of a sudden they're and then all of a sudden that you add kicks again and they're getting their leg the front yeah. leg kicked out from under them. Uh, so. I was to- I was talking to a friend of mine uh, Joachim Engberg here in Sweden and uh, we did I posted a clip of us doing sparring with no head contact and and we talked a bit about that and he said oh, I do this as well and and I said yeah they don't realize I'm actually punishing them. 
because getting hit to the head doesn't really hurt, but getting hit to the body and the legs sucks. <laughs> but they, they haven't done it enough to know that. So they think, oh, he's constraining us too much. We want to go to the head, but really yeah. I'm punishing them. <laughs> Secretly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, do you wait a certain amount of time before you allow head contact, like just like taps or touches? So we, uh, I know Scott Seabright has talked a lot about how he limits mm -hmm. head contact when he, he designs practice. And I think there's a lot of value in it. I usually allow head contact fairly early on, but usually okay. in a very, very constrained and controlled manner. Mm -hmm. So, for example, last night when we did this, where we actually started with, hey, the one partner has to put their hands down. You have to get in your stance and the other person is going to punch you. But if you blink or you flinch, you're going too hard. And basically that they self-impose the constraint on it because you can't go hard at all mm -hmm. then. And then we said, like, hey, okay, this is the level we're going to keep during these sessions. And then, yeah. of course, while we're working these defensive uh, methods, we're usually so focused on the defense that head contact is very limited. But also talking to people about the about the the, the dangers of head contact is really important. And mm -hmm. and I know we have a lot of young guys who who, who treats uh, the sessions basically as fight club, but. I think that's kind of natural when you're young and dumb and you want to kind of prove yeah. yourself and you and you have a, a lot of adrenaline in these situations. But I think being the kind of, I don't know, father figure, if you want to use that, <laughs> basically being like, hey, calm down, calm down. I've been in this position. It's not worth yeah. it. At least at least <laughs> a big brother. Yeah. 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 Big brother. Is at least really the big good. brother. Yep. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Young. Oh, yeah. Young guys, man. They want to. Yeah. I've been. Yeah, I've been they're they're the guys that um those are the guys that beat me up the most at, <laughs> when yeah. i'm at practice jujitsu doesn't matter what it is jujitsu yeah. you know these these years but man like they i'm not even a threat to them really and they still yeah. just they've got to extend my arm as fast as they possibly can and crank a, an arm bar or something yeah like it's just you know <laughs> just tap early like don't I'm too old to have an ego. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to just do martial arts until I'm old. Yeah. I'm not trying to compete anymore. Yeah, <laughs> the pe the people who hurt, uh, who's hurt me the most in jujitsu is either the really young guys or the people who have done it a long time and felt like their ego is getting hurt if they get threatened by me. They have to oh, go hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people say jujitsu is the ego killer. It is not. And no, it no, is no. not the ego killer. <laughs> I, I think every <laughs> every sport has this where they say, oh, our sport teaches these values. And it's like, uh -huh. yeah, sure. I think jujitsu <laughs> is more likely to um, select for people who have enough humility to stick around mm -hmm. and put up with being killed for, for <laughs> yeah. years until yeah. you can be good at it. Um, yeah. I, well, if you do it ecological, I think you can get better at it a lot faster. But for That's, the traditional that, way, yeah. Yeah. That's a really good conversation because I have had a lot of these conversations with people who have 
who are doing jujitsu, who are beginners, because I was a beginner as well. And I very early on was like, oh, these classes are really, really boring. So I asked oh, a yeah. friend of mine to help me learn and then it became fun because we're friends and so we can yep. talk very openly about what we do. But a lot of beginners are like, man, I, I feel worthless. I feel like I don't know anything. I don't understand what they're talking about because we can go into, I there was a class a couple of months ago where we went into Berimbolos and the two people were completely new. I uh, still don't know what the burn bolo is. They had no <laughs> idea. And I, I was standing there next to them. And I was like, oh, should I go talk to them and tell them it's okay to feel this way? And I felt so bad for them. I always wanted to yeah. tell them like, hey, you guys are amazing. It's just the structure is it's not benefiting you at all right now. Yeah, this, the thing I hate, the thing I just hate about the traditional approach from probably the 10,000 foot view is how a learner is never able to appreciate how amazing his or her body is yeah because it is artificially suppressed the learning process is suppressed they're constantly told they're just hit with a barrage of of things like um you know you can't do this you can't do that mm. and you know a lot of it you know it's probably true that this is not a good thing for you to do but if you don't you might find something that works when you try yeah. different things out. Um, yeah, and they're just not allowed to. They're not allowed to explore. They're not allowed to adapt. And you have to. You're you're put in the. You're you're set up to fail, because I hear this all the time. Man, I just I just forget my techniques, dude. Yeah, I just can't remember my techniques. <clears throat> well, that's not how it works. No, no, like all. that's not how you move. That's not how no. you control your be your motor behavior in, in no. an event. You don't, you don't recall if you're trying to recall techniques, yeah, you're no, going to yeah, miss no. the affordances every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I had this situation I was grappling with the friend of mine. He's a, a, a brown belt and I, and I had him in a kind of a setup for an arm triangle. And suddenly I heard someone shouting my name and it was a black belt sitting by the wall. And he was like, get your right shoulder down to the ground, get your right. And I just remember, what's my right? <laughs> oh yeah. Dude. Yeah. No, 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 no. yeah. I, no I have a hard time separating my right from my left without this person <laughs> trying to wrestle me. Now yeah. I'm going to try to remember this. So I started trying to listen to it. Uh, and at the end, I was like, ah, well, I, am. I don't know. I'm going to do this on my own. And I ended up getting the art triangle when I stopped listening to the instructions. <laughs> yes, I had the same exact thing. Coaches, they bark at you to do stuff, yeah. but yeah. they don't know what you're feeling. They don't no. know what you're seeing. They don't know what you're perceiving. No. And I've been no. told so many times Duh, fight through this under fight through that and i feel my shoulder compromised yeah and if i was to try and fight that i could have ended up with an injury yeah and like oh yeah you got to do this and they don't really care even if you tell them like hey coach my i got a bum you know shoulder if i was feeling it pretty hard there if i had kept he had kept whizzering over the top or overhook whatever and i kept fighting that it might have you know, I might, it might've popped out of socket or something. Yeah. And they, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of them are like, they'll, you know, there's various levels of dismissal. Some of them will kind of pretend to, yeah. you yeah. know, sympathize, but they don't really <laughs> give you any <laughs> you know, practical, it doesn't change. They're going to, they're going to bark at you about the same thing as soon as it happens. Cause they just yeah. see certain openings, like, like they're watching an instructional. Yeah. Um, exactly. And they just don't care about what you're feeling in your body. No. And I think I think the relationship aspect of, of coaching and also 
the act of have training together is so important. You have to nurture that relationship. You basically have to, because a lot of people who walk into the gym maybe don't know anyone. So just telling them to, hey, represent this and grab a partner, that's that's scary. Like getting yeah. to know a new person, trusting them with your, your body and your health, it's really scary. One thing we've done that has had an amazing success is when we've done these games, we basically do a three-minute round and then we have one-minute rest. And in the past, it's basically like, oh, grab a drink of water and... Uh, change pad holders or something like that but the what we started doing now is you have one minute talk with each other what uh, when what did you do good what did what did go less good and mm-hmm. talk with one another what's the problem how do you solve them and that has had amazing success because people are talking with each other oh, i'm having trouble when i'm here yeah but i'm seeing this Oh damn! That's uh, and I and they organize. They help each other. Suddenly, we have uh, thirty-three teachers in the room instead of just one. <laughs> and, and and that's that's something because I think a lot of times we we undervalue that the relationship aspect yeah. of training and actually being like, hey, let's talk. <laughs> let's not fight. Let's yeah. talk. <laughs> I love that so much, dude. I, that is yeah. that's awesome. I really believe in peer coaching. Um, Obviously, you you need you need experienced coaches in there for a lot of reasons, but I, I love peer coaching because a lot of feedback doesn't really require require you to be any more of an expert than the other person no. because you can tell what's working and what's not working, and you can identify yeah. at least a rough reason why it's not working, and then yeah. that puts you in a direction to explore. So that yeah. region of of solution space, as the yeah. scientists would call it, you have yeah. you have a better. Uh, feedback on where you need to be in that, in what region you need to be. Um, you don't need to have detailed, you know, instruction about just how to hold the leg or just how to defend the the leg snatch or something like that or the clinch. Um, you just have to point out, oh, uh, uh, hey, like you're having trouble moving the elbow here, or this this is not working for you, or um, you know, you're doing this, but I. It's too, you know, it's not working because this other arm is not being addressed. You know, just, I'm yeah. trying to make up things on the fly, but no, I know yeah, in jiu-jitsu, no. a lot of times things don't work because they're addressing one thing and not another. Yeah. Um, you know, this you is, have to try this to, is a, this is a shift. I, I'm a huge uh, soccer fan, football fan. And mm-hmm. lately, uh, a, a revolutionary thing they are calling relationism has uh, started happening, where essentially mm-hmm. what you do is uh, a lot of football is played in a very structural, positional play. You have your position, you keep your position. Uh, you may change with a partner, but you change in a certain uh, predetermined pattern of how to play. And that's very effective. But what's happened in South America is they have started basically, uh, a Swedish code called it advanced schoolyard soccer. That uh-huh. basically you get a bunch of people and they shift to ones towards the side of the field and they basically get to interact with each other and play football with no real predetermined pattern. They have some principles of play, but they just interact. And that has uh-huh. been an amazing way to, to, and the coach who was responsible for this, his name is uh, Denise, the, 
uh, Denise, I know, Fernando Denise, I believe his name is. Uh, he's in charge now with the Brazilian national team. So it'll be interesting following them. But he talks so much about it's so important to have these relationships on the field because we have 11 players and they all need to basically have a relationship with one another and create these relationships. And I thought, well, we can do that. We have 33 people. That's 33 relationships or even more if they switch partners. So let's let's nurture this and let's basically build a team. Because that's almost more important, I think, because even if the teaching methods are are not up to standard, if you have a good relationship with someone and you have that willing and you have the motivation to get better, you're going to get better. Then you yeah. can utilize the, the training methods to get even better. But I think relationship aspect is is the most important almost. Yeah, what a novel concept learning teamwork through Playing team in the sport. Yeah, it's crazy, right? What a great, what a novel. It turns, I mean, it is cool to do things outside of the game together. Like, who knew you didn't have to go play laser tag to become a better team? <laughs> so, 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 so in Sweden, we have this uh, a lot of discussion about like integration in society, how people who come into Sweden are going to integrate in society. And uh-huh. I have listened to this conversation and then never talked about sports. And the role yeah. of sports in building a society. Because mm-hmm. my earliest interaction with different cultures that I can remember is playing football on the schoolyard with all bunch of nationalities and all bunch of people. You didn't care. I only wanted to score goals. If you can help me score goals, you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so interacting in that way, I think it's really important. And, and uh, sadly, it's an undervalued part of, of society as it relates to sports and how yeah, we Yeah, cooperating towards a... Yeah. a, a a, a mutual end is, is is a fantastic way to break down differences. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and create a sense of, of fraternity among people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even in marriage counseling, I think one of the a, a good marriage counselor, <laughs> one of the first things they'll do is is get the a husband and wife like working together on something. Yeah, like get to just just stop. You know, of course, talking about it, and communicating is important, but you got to do stuff together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, <clears throat> friendships the same way. I mean, it's just um, relationships with your your siblings and your parents. Doing things in sports is uh, such a fantastic way to do that. I mean, everybody yeah. likes sports almost. Yeah, of some sort. <laughs> It's you know, the only, it's, yeah. even if it's chess, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but sports is like the only subject where you're allowed to say, "Oh, I don't care. I I don't have any knowledge about this." If you say that yeah. about like politics or news, people are like, "Oh, you're stupid." But if you say that about sports, it's like, yeah, I understand it, and that's it's kind of strange to me, but I understand it as well. So. Yeah, uh, in this, uh, that's that's true because I've lived around the United States. In the <laughs> South, it's a little. If you're not into football, you're kind of weird. <laughs> um, American football, you're you're yeah. sort of weird. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. I'm interested to know. Um, so you talked about that you used to do an, the introduction on the tie pads. Now you're thinking about moving away from that. Yeah. What part do you see tie pads in heavy bag training having in your training going forward? When and where would you make use of them? So what we've been doing uh, during our sessions, our sessions are usually scheduled for one and a half hours. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we found when working with the, the advanced or the competition group is usually around like the hour mark. 
people are very tired. They're tired not only mentally, but physically as well. They're basically like, oh, I, I don't want to listen to people. I just want to, I just want to go. Uh, and what usually happens is that's the point where people say, oh, now let's spar. And I think that's a terrible idea to start sparring when you're tired and you're not uh, mentally sharp as well. So what we yeah. have basically done is say, tell, especially beginners, like, hey, now we have a half an hour. It's basically schoolyard rules here. You can do whatever you want. So talk with your partner. You have the option to either grab a couple of pads and do something cool you saw off YouTube or Instagram or whatever you feel like you want to work on. Or you can spar, but we ban all head contact then because it's free sparring and they are beginners. So it's basically this vast ocean of knowledge that they don't really understand. So to help them kind of limit the damage they do, we kind of, I take away the head damage and, and make that yeah. a clear rule. And, and, and that has also helped people, I think, a lot in, in kind of exploring. Uh, so utilizing the past, basically being saying like, oh, I saw, uh, I don't know who's, who's a good fighter. I saw Robert Whittaker do this on Instagram. Let's do this. Bam, bam, bam. And they get to explore in a different way, but they get to utilize their own. Uh, uh, they get to to decide what they want to do. And I think that's also really important to to feed that curiosity and and, and try certain things. And I, I know when I have... Uh, like uh, if I had to grab a quick workout with a friend of mine, we'll be like, hey, grab, grab a couple of pads because we want to get tired. We just want to go. And and that's a beautiful way to look at it. You're still getting a workout out of it. and, and that, mm -hmm. But if we want to build skill, then maybe it's not the most productive thing. But we can build yeah. other things. We can build, a, we can work on creativity. We can work on the relationship aspect again. Or just, I think that's where pads and, I we don't have a lot of bags and bag work usually I feel like if you're going to work a bag you don't need me you can do that on your own time it's not that yeah. complicated punish or kick it and then moves and then kick it again or punish yeah. it again <laughs> yeah yeah people try to sell instructionals on bag work but you can Jesus teach the fundamentals Christ. you know just keep moving around <laughs> don't yeah. keep don't keep stopping the sway some some yeah. bags won't even move but <laughs> no, exactly. uh, yeah and, that, and that's basically it just make it up like you don't you're not dealing with an opponent so there's almost no way to make a mistake <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah like, that's, I, that's I interesting it, yeah i think it's really important because in 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 swedish the word for playing uh football and playing a game of tag are two different words in sweden it's mm -hmm. called the uh, spela or leka so they kind of become separated and i think it's really important to to allow that kind of playing the the playing tag way of thinking about sports to mm -hmm. to be there to kind of like hey grab a bag and and play around just do what you feel like if you want to do a rolling thunder or a backflip do that try it why do, why the hell not <laughs> you're yeah. gonna you're gonna experience something you're gonna get you're gonna learn something so try it like experiment yeah yeah have I, fun. I, like, yeah just, I always, love, I always love I always love this uh, this Daft Punk song the I think it's called Giorgio by Moroder where he says once you free your mind of what's right and wrong in music you can do whatever you want and I think that's very important like yeah. grab a bag and do what you want it's your time it's your life you decide yeah don't yeah. don't look don't look for this uh, validation uh, from other people do your own thing yeah i mean there's that there's value to doing a tornado kick even if yeah. you, you might never use it in a fight yeah because it helps you understand your body better yeah and it's fun 
and it's fun. It's amusing. Yeah. You amuse your party, you amuse yourself. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's okay to have fun when you're trained. A lot of people, yeah. there's, there's like two camps of training that either training has to suck because it's yeah. serious and fighting yeah. and violence. Yeah, yeah. Or it's doesn't have to suck, you know. Don't you don't have to take yourself that seriously all the time. Um, you know, maybe when you're in camp for fights, you should yeah. be serious. But when you're just exploring and getting better, and and in the off season or outside of fights, or whatever, yeah. I and mean, there's just there's no there's no there's, it's not an immoral thing to have fun. It's just kind of a create. I don't know. I don't know where this came from. This idea that you can't have fun training yeah, martial yeah. arts. Like our gym is is built is a it's been around for a long time so there's a lot of mm-hmm. traditional values in, in terms of like how practice should be designed and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I, I think people have this idea that misery creates like uh, strong people, and I think when you look at it it's it's completely opposite like a person who is well fed who slept well who is who's well hydrated they will perform very very well if you ask mm-hmm. them to do something. That's uh, that's hard. But someone who's very hungry, who's who has slept poorly, who who hasn't drank a drop of water all day, they're gonna do terrible. So I I don't really understand where this idea of of, of misery comes from. And, and yeah, I, I think mis- misery in doses can create a mentally strong person, but yeah. you're never gonna perform at a high level when your basic needs are not met. Yeah. So there, there's and, a there's a there's a scrappiness and a resourcefulness. But there is yeah. a dark side to uh, of of misery, a sustained misery, anyways, and that is okay. Yeah, you have some mental toughness, but eventually that kind of gives out. You become too sensitive. You could become too anxious. You become uh, you have th- this baggage that that uh, that detracts from your ability to perform. Yeah, I think also it, it, again that's the relation aspect. You have to kind of know the person you're putting in this miserable positions because I know just myself I had a lot of bad anxiety when I was a teenager so just going to the class was a really big step out of my comfort zone if I had to take further steps it may be too far and you have to keep that in mind that we don't know these people we don't know what they went through how hard their lives are or how easy their lives are so it's kind of unfair to assume that they are okay with being miserable you have to kind of i think build that relationship and yeah. and and find out more about people and be like hey how how's life how how are you feeling how was this session ah oh, work today was so tough uh, it's been a rough period oh man that's a, and you get that information and and you Again, it comes back to caring. You have to care about people if yeah. you want to do this. Yeah, you can have fun and put in hard work. I don't want to yeah. get off of work. Yeah. And it was just mentally <laughs> torture all yeah. day. Everybody in the office is passive aggressive. Miscommunications, just everything. And then you go and you go to martial arts. It's supposed to be my outlet, it's supposed to be my fun. Thing and everybody has a chip on their shoulder, <laughs> and the workout is maximally miserable. <laughs> my, my dad actually, he works. Uh, he's, uh, I think, I think the easiest word to use, like sporting director for the football club in his area. And, mm-hmm. and they worked a lot with developing uh, uh, youth coaches. And one exercise they did was they had to structure uh, a, a drill or a, or a or a type of drill in like four steps uh, with each step becoming more increasingly advanced. And mm-hmm. then they picked a group at random, like, Hey, you have to come up here and you have to present uh, the, the, the drill you have chosen. So when they got up there and started talking, they were like, wait, 
the kids have arrived. They're all tired from school. You have to scale it down. What are you doing now? How do you make this uh, this drill you've chosen? How do you make it easier? Because that's also really important that you choose the, you have to know the group and you have to feel the group. You can't force tired people to be energetic. You're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. You have to know the group. You have to feel the group and be like, okay, the le- energy levels are here. We maybe need to adjust certain things and we have to change the language we use. Or Again, it's the relationship aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. You can't just browbeat kids for being <laughs> no. zapped for eight hours of school. They, you know, no. they're frustrating. They've been using their brain all day. They miss their parents. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, what are you, you going to do? Yell at them like a football coach and in, in like a high oh, school football no. coach and, and tell them that they're lazy and, 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 uh, unethical because they can't summon the energy after, after all that time. They're, they're I don't know. That stuff makes me upset. I mean, they're children. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Cool. And so you talked about designing games. I want to I want to get into that. So how do you approach designing games? Thanks so much for listening to the Combat Learning Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. It really helps us out. Finally, this episode, including the intro music, is produced by Micah Peacock. Thanks in advance, and I'll see you on the next episode.